Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to another episode of Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I'm speaking with Matthew Bird of Nexus 3D Consulting. And of RCN, which is Reality Capture Network, which is your platform for education and awareness around digital technologies. Welcome. So excited to have you. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Always love talking with you and uh, excited to jump into some conversation today. Um, so a little bit of background. You and I met uh, with a member of my team, Rebecca, at SPAR AEC Next Conference. Um, which is very uh, laser centric, I would say. Um, and I can't believe that was a year ago, two years ago. Um, it's been a while. It's been a couple years. Yeah. But I was just listening to the podcast you had with Kirk McKinsey and was totally fascinated about how now that we're getting more comfortable knowing that this technology is available, but also like stable. Um, yeah. You know, how people in the industry are really stretching their minds into thinking what other problems, big problems, can we, can we solve with this technology? What are your thoughts? Oh man, we're jumping straight into the big questions. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's just a great point to bring up like, and, and this is why we're putting a big fo focus on, researching different technologies, talking with people from different industries. Um, it's also why I'm on here talking with you. Like I want to get on and talk with as many people from different backgrounds, different industries as possible, really to just spread the awareness of the new technologies and with different people because everyone's, you know, got their own business. Some are focused on architecture and residential. Some are focused on emergency response, some in the industrial, some in oil and gas and by really starting to improve the communication between all those parties, we can start figuring out how to cross over and take those technologies into different industries that have different benefits and, and different purpose. And um, so it's a really exciting topic and, and, you know, places like the SPAR conference and, you know, especially over the last year, really through podcasts and webinars and, and things like that, the, the education is really working. Um, so I think, I think the future has a lot to hold for sure. You know, our, our big focus really right now has been in the construction space, whether it's in, in industrial or commercial buildings or whatnot. Um, and it, it all started with the same focus of helping capture the existing conditions of a physical site to bring back into the digital realm for designers and engineers and all of those people to have accurate data to work from. So, man, it's going to be interesting to see how things keep changing. It's definitely in a different spot now than it was even just several years ago. Well, right. When you and I met, I felt like um, the idea of using laser scan for building information modeling was on the cusp of relevant. Um, because, and I've heard some of your, uh, podcasts with some of like, you know, the original folks back in the scanning days and how expensive and cumbersome these systems were and how 
there were reliability issues. And now that we're seeing the, basically I would say the, the long-term facility management being improved by having a high quality, very detailed and accurate laser scan that moved into a building information model that is being power is powering those facilities to like manage more efficiently. Um, we're starting to really see how things unlock. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think the current stage of the industry is still very much on the project need basis. Um, it's always been, nobody gets into scanning or, or modeling of, of existing conditions until they absolutely need it. And we are starting to now see the digital change of people. You, you know, you hear the term, a lot of digital twins and the idea of really building out that fully detailed model with information of your buildings and facilities and assets and keeping that digital replica with information that can be used long-term. Um, but I think there's still so much um, market that's not gotten into any portion of it that my, my current big focus is still just improving design and construction through different industries by implementing all these things. Because there are still tons of people that honestly are out with tape measures and notepads and pencils and, you know, they're on sites for weeks and they come back with inaccurate data. And so my initial goal is starting with the simplest areas like that. Um, because all the different types of technologies that are available now with laser scanners, whether handheld or backpacks or mobile or carts or terrestrial or whatever, you there's a I would say there's a very low amount of projects that anyone should ever go touch with just a tape measure. So my first focus is still kind of that ground level. I totally agree. And I would say when uh, so Al Gore is one of the founders of Inside the Firm and um, he and I are buddies and have had lot, lots of conversations about like what what does laser scanning look like included in my my workflow. And then like the scale of the firm where you can find that relevance and then managing the cost associated with it. So this has been an ongoing conversation. I've had Greg Hale of HaleTip on the podcast who we both know, uh, just, just starting to get people to understand that this is more uh, attainable than it may seem. And it absolutely yeah. is more relevant than you can even imagine, but you can't actually know the relevance until you get into it. Yep. 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 I totally agree and hear the same feedback all the time. And that's again, you know, why we're focusing on educating people, whether it's through a podcast or webinars or whatever, is the initial assumptions from people who are not using it yet are that it's going to be way too expensive or the data is so big, it's not going to be usable or, you know, there's all these assumptions and some of them are still true such as if you're a firm who's never used it and you do a scan you may not be prepared to use a big 50 gigabyte point cloud but they also don't know the process to turn it into drawings or models or um, you know some people had maybe hired somebody to do a scan eight years ago and it was you know eight times or 20 times the cost and speed and everything else that it is now. So 
you know, I think the, the first step is current relevant, relevant education on where is the technology right now, because it's already in a very different spot than it was two, three, five, ten 10 years ago. Yet some firms are still operating off of the assumptions of what they heard 10 years ago. And it's in a totally different spot. And I will say that I'm very grateful because you had a webinar where so LIDAR is now in more of the common vernacular thanks to Apple and the phone and the iPad. Um, and I had mixed, I had very mixed emotions. So Al Gore and I had a conversation about how um, can't Apple just come up with something that has the LIDAR built into it? And can't we just do that instead of buying like a 20K laser to do my scans? Uh, and I'm like, I don't think it's that far off. Um, and then, and then as a laser scan professional, I'm just like, my head is in my hands and I'm like, now I have to tell people the difference between having an iPhone scan your space versus me and my BLK, um, or, you know, in the commercial space, like why you need an RTC or better. Um, and that's, uh, so you did, you actually like had a webinar, you took it to the field, you played around. What were your findings? I'm sure people are very interested in knowing. Yeah. Good question. So we did, we, when we heard about the iPhone coming out with LIDAR on it, we went and got one and started playing with it because that's what we do. We love (laughs) scanning. We love LIDAR. And I've also been an iPhone user since they came out. So I was naturally uh, due for an upgrade. (laughs) Um, And The first thing that I tell people when we start looking at these technologies and same thing I said on the webinar is first, we have to remember it's, it's a tool. You know, when we look at laser scanners out there, we look at different hardware. They're all very awesome for certain reasons and certain purposes, but the assumption that the phone is going to replace the $20,000 or $100,000 laser scanner is just not the case. And I, I use the example uh, to think about the tools like a writing utensil. Um, you know, you, you can have eight different writing utensils, right? A pencil, a permanent marker, and a whiteboard. And you can think about your laser scanners like that. Are you going to take the permanent marker to go right on the whiteboard? Probably. I would hope not. not a good I feel idea. like that kind of defeats the Probably. purpose. <laughs> Probably not a good idea because what would happen if you do? Well, you're gonna you're gonna get your initial message on there, which is great, but as soon as you need to wipe it off you're going to have a problem and you're going to have to spend more money on getting extra cleaning material. You're going to have to have more labor trying to get it cleaned off. It may not even come off. You might have to throw the whole thing away and get a new whiteboard. So I think about laser scanners and, and any type of technology the same way you could take the iPhone and try to map a project, but what's the accuracy need that you have? Well, what happens if the data is wrong you know, what's the use case? Is it really just for something visual or do you need to prefabricate accurate material from it? So, and that goes for all the other scanner types too. You know, other handheld, other backpack, other mobile and different levels of terrestrial scanners. They all have different pros and cons. They have different speeds. They have different accuracies. They have all kinds of variables to them. So 
you, you have to start by reverse engineering your use case and or your project and or your industry and, and come up with those lists of questions. How accurate of, of data do we need? What, what are we going to use the data for? And then figure out what technologies to use, how to use them. You know, if you're buying them, great. If you're renting them, great. Or if you're using a service provider, you need to know what they're going to be using, how they operate, because that's one of the big issues we've seen in the industry is a lot of people end up using the wrong technology for a project. And then the client, you know, is like, I don't know why this data is not working or, you know, and then they get that bad assumption again and they don't want to do it again when really it just came down to the wrong process, not the fact that laser scanning doesn't work. There's, there's just all these other steps that people miss, which is why I think the education is so important. So back to your question though about the iPhone. What do you use it for? Is, yeah, a good question. Um, so I think my initial thought looking at the LiDAR from the iPhone is, I think it's an amazing first step in the, t in, in the direction. Like the fact that there is LIDAR on a phone in my pocket that is in my pocket all day, every day is really cool. And you can use it to scan some things. Um, you know, we tested doing a small area like an external planter at a building, you know, maybe it, to, to just measure that area. Um, we also tried it on a vehicle. We tried it on, um, you know, a two-story office building. So we tried a few different variables and it's, you know, it's definitely not super consistent right now. Um, it, it's actually visually, it's pretty cool. So if you're just trying to capture something to look at, you want a, a cool 3D model to look at, um, I think there's a lot of, of use cases for it. Um, and, and in some instances, it did measure within half an inch or something, but there was also inconsistencies like one wall within the building may have been really spot on. And then another wall may have been a foot off, you know? So there's, I think there's a lot of upgrades to still happen to it and, and potentially more on the software side than the hardware. Um, there are several different iPhone apps out there that you use to actually do the mapping with, and they all operate different. You know, they all have different options in them, detail, export options, all kinds of stuff. So I think in a very short amount of time, there's going to be a lot of upgrades to the apps and their algorithms and their processes. And um, I don't think it's going to be very far off before you could use the iPhone to measure small architectural, you know, projects um, because it, it's actually pretty impressive for what it is but it's not there yet. You don't want to run with that and, you know, call it good. Yeah. Um, I was thinking of some of the smaller. Thanks for pointing it out. <laughs> some of the smaller contractors I work with that need, need to get an idea of like what square footage is before they give a quote. I could see that being a very yeah. easy workflow that they can take in a phone or an iPad and scan the space yep. and get. And I know that there's things like magic plan and there's some other apps that are like yeah. doing those quick floor plans using this new technology. I think what's exciting yep. about it is that it starts creating relativity. So when we, we can actually start having the discussions of, you know, what level of accuracy do you need? Yep. And what is this going to be used for? Because everything is relative. 
And when I'm putting together a project that's 10,000 square feet of living space and I have to scan the exterior, I have to document the interior and exterior and advise the architect as to uh, structural deflections so that they can make responsible choices in their design. Um, I feel very confident in the tool that I've selected for that particular project. And it is tempting to get into a lower cost like photogrammetry, but my big issue is that I can't do the exterior and knowing wall thickness matters to my workflow. Um, And I can't even tell you how many times that I've documented with a 360 photo in my BLK, thought I had modeled from the cloud point correctly and just being able to have that 360 uh, image built into the scan um, for confirmation has made my modeling so much more accurate, yeah. so much faster. And when I'm having a conversation with someone who's uh, hired us to do that work, like another professional, um, my conversations are easier because I can say, no, you're wrong. And I can show them and they're like, oh, okay. Versus yeah. where I might have to say, no, you're wrong. And they'll say, no, I'm not. <laughs> and then you get into like a very uncomfortable situ- situation. I'm like, we'll take a look. This is why I modeled it this way. What are your thoughts? And they're like, okay, that's great. Um, but having relativity yeah. and having uh, a whole toolbox um, seems to be, I think, the greatest, the greatest thing to look forward to. Yeah, totally agree. And I, I could probably do an entire episode talking about uh, projects where uh, the design team or the you know construction company or somebody got data from us and we're like, this is not gonna, this is not right. This wall is in the wrong spot, <laughs> you know, because they we 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 scanned a building or a project, we created an as-built model and handed that back over to the team, or we scanned it and took their original design model and we made adjustments to things, you know, to where things actually sit. And things were so far off from the actual design that, you know, there were walls that were three feet in another direction. And and the, you know, the team would be like, <laughs> this is what happened. Like you, this, this model is not accurate. Did you tie your scans together properly? Did you, and we're like, it, it is absolutely accurate. And you're, you're, you know, this is what happens. This is why scanning is becoming valuable is because things are never built a hundred percent to where the design was. And then there's not a process in place that people actually completely accurately as built where things ended up. They just take the design drawing, maybe do some field fits or, 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 you know, field measurements, make some adjustments, call it an as-built. But there are things like that, which again is why scanning is so important because if someone tries to go to a building that that was the process and use those drawings to start a renovation project from, and they think that that's, that wall is three feet to the left, but it's really not. And now what happens if you design from that and you prefabricate material and you go to install it and... Well, now you're going to have a huge issue. Um, so I love that. I love that point being brought up. Do you find <laughs> that you see it happen all the time? Well, and that's the thing. Like, are you finding? I know that there are professionals in the industry that are over the moon excited to use Tiverbuilt as a subcontractor to create a faster workflow, more accurate uh, workflow, and a, a really great experience for their clients. Are you finding um, owners 
of, of project development, um, seeking you out, gaining information about like how they should set up their specifications when they're building out their. Yeah. Uh, it's completely in the wild west still, you know, (laughs) um, you know, laser scanning has been around a lot longer than people think. It's been being used for 10, 20, I mean, a long time. Well, I think years. it was developed when we went to space. And that was actually, <laughs> I listened to that because you had a podcast with uh, with someone and they were talking about how, just how old the yeah. technology is. Yeah. So it's been around for a long time, but again, like you mentioned earlier, it's becoming more widely adopted now because it's getting cheaper. It's getting faster. The software's upgrading the, you know, everything's improving. However, you know, a lot of people right now think that it's already fully adopted when really I, I, from all of the industries I work in and I talk to so many companies around the country, I would say maybe, 15% of companies that should be using scanning are using it. Right. I think there's still 80% of companies that have not started using scanning technologies, point clouds, benefiting from the as-built from them. There's a lot of people out there. Um, And so even when you, when you talk about owners and we are seeing those conversations because it start the education of the technologies is starting to come around, even though a lot of people are still not fully adopted or implemented. Uh, but we've, you know, we've seen government agencies, we've seen large uh, owners, we've seen, I mean, you name it. And people are starting to ask those questions and figure out like, how do I even ask for this? <laughs> you know, what, yeah. How what do I set up my standards? Technologies that need to be used. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that is, that is all over the place right now. Um, do you find that firms that have adopted this technology are informing their clients and using it as a market differentiator when they're when they're trying to close the deal? Yes, um, I would say some are. In fact, I would say that we've even seen some firms that. Uh, bring in scanning just to be a differentiator sometimes even even on the marketing aspect we've seen clients that um, they'll actually you know spend the money up front to go out and scan a building uh, you know kind of quickly and, and roughly so that they can you know take the data and or uh, a you know a rough model to do some animations and really have an amazing presentation on the sales side because it's a competitive bid, it's a really, really big project. And so coming into an, uh, an owner or a project team with that type of material, um, they've seen it be a, a big differentiator for them. So I think there's a lot of aspects people are looking at. How can they integrate these technologies? I mean, for multiple, multiple reasons. And that's one of the benefits of the technology is it's very visual. It can be used for marketing. It can be used for safety planning. It can be used for the design, you know, for the as-built and the design. It can be used for just project management, like you talked about with the panoramic imagery. We've seen some clients that like the imagery and the virtual tours where they can walk through a project through the scan locations and make annotations and measure things 
we've seen people like that aspect so much that they'll implement it on every job, whether they use the point cloud or not, just for that. So there's, there's so many benefits you get from implementing a, a, a scanning project that um, I think that's one of the reasons a, a lot of people are, are moving into it. It's so exciting to hear because I, when I first got into the industry, so much of the, the workflow of people in the interior design or architectural space was like kind of shrouded in mystery. It was like Oz. It's like, you know, you tell an architect what you, you know, want out of your space and then, you know, they go to the back room and they go do what they do. And then they present you with these like nicely formatted sheets and they say, well, here's our design and you, and you react to them as an owner. Um, but I really, really do like the idea that, that some of these firms are demonstrating like the differentiator in their process and how the level of accuracy in the way that they develop the project can have a more cost-effective build experience and a more pleasant one. Cause honestly, like it doesn't feel good to like invest in a project and look at sheets and have to be told to imagine it. So, but yeah. I don't, I think we'll have, I think the industry will move faster if we are inclusive of giving the owner a little more, uh, I, you know, eyes in the back room of what's been happening behind yeah. the scenes previously. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And like I said, I think there's some companies that have seen that and pushed it and started implementing a lot that still should. Um, but I think that's one of the big benefits, like I said, of, of the technology is you get all those different levels. You get the super accurate fine point cloud that really takes someone special to use, but then you also get the high level visual material and imagery. And so, you know, ideally, anybody doing any scanning is finding ways to access and leverage all of those different areas. Um, and, and that's what we've seen is, you know, some of our clients will take the visual aspect and or the online virtual walkthrough and they'll send out invites to the project owners and the project teams. And because they don't have the time or knowledge to take a Revit model and open it up and see how amazing their building is, they need something easy and quick and they can access it online. And so with that virtual walkthrough, you know, it, you can be anybody, you know, you don't have to have a technical background. It's like getting in Google earth, you know? And so it's a way for them to see the progress of their project or virtually walk through the site and, and see annotations or even make annotations for the project team to then get back in and use. Um, yeah. So I, I think there's so many ways the data can be used. All right. What platforms are you using to give people those experiences with the cloud point? Good question. So I know there's several out there. Um, we have been, we own and use Faro and Leica scanners. Um, we've been a lot longer. We've been using Faro um, and they have a great platform, um, which, you know, there's the pros and cons of different, different hardware options is sometimes they're kind of proprietary to their data and, and things like that. Um, but we use Faro WebShare Cloud a lot because we use Faro scanners. And, but I know that uh, Leica has their own version of that, you know, with TrueView and such. And then there's some, you know, that have been out there for a while or even newer ones like Sintu. Um, but they, they all have some of those pros and cons to them of virtual access. The panoramic images are there. Um, you can actually see the point cloud in the web browser. So, um, 
you know, I would say no matter what scanner you have, there is an option to, to do that. But for us with uh, the majority of our work being with Pharaoh, we, we've been using that WebShare cloud and it's been, it's been amazing. I've priced that out through the, um, so I have a BLK, which is a Leica product. And I did switch over to uh, the Leica um, Register 360 Cyclone. And they have yep. two versions. They have basically have the BLK Lite version, and then they have the publisher version of Cyclone, which is, I think it's around 3000 for the year of subscription. Um, and then the um, BLK version... I think is under a thousand dollars a year for that subscription. Um, sadly, very sadly, you have to pay for the publisher version publisher. of Cyclone if yeah. you want. But if you do that, their Jetstream viewer can be shared with anybody, and there is no uh, there's no additional cost to have additional members that you send that jet jet viewer out. Too. So there is a benefit okay. and you could include, um, I would say, if you're trying to build out like what your project fee is going to be, um, assessing whether or not your clients are going to yeah. prioritize that need and kind of pass that cost off and kind of yeah. spread, spread the cost out to several projects. I can see that working yeah. um, very well. And I, I the Faro pricing um, schedules... I think there was a couple options where you could just buy it outright and you actually didn't have to go through a subscription model, which I kind of liked. Um, I haven't honestly looked in a while, so I, I wouldn't want to say for sure. Um, I last, I remember there, you know, for the Pharaoh side, their initial package, I think was somewhere around a thousand dollars a year. And that let you host, I mean, I think up to a hundred gigabytes of data or something like that. And it decimates it. So you can you can host quite a bit of data there. But um, yeah, I mean, overall, I think what it comes down to is, uh, you know, continuing to educate people on the options of what they can use, how it can be used, what the benefits are to them. Because once you do that, then they can determine, um, you know, if it's worthwhile for them to utilize on their project. And as we've continued to do that, we've seen the cost of those online options be very, very, very easy to, to cover depending on the, the project types and, and such. Yeah. And it does come out. There is going to be a lag. You are going to have to eat some of the costs early when you get into those adoptions. Um, and there's so many things that I want to cover. So I going, wanted to jump around, but uh, you got me connected with Kelly Cohn from uh, Clear Edge 3D. And you got yep. me here. Stay tuned. I'm going to hold up my shirt. There we go. Scan to BIM. Um, webinar. And a lot of the questions that we got, were, what are the steps that I have to go through if I want this? Because, I mean, honestly, like it all sounds like a utopian society here. Um, and so I get a lot of questions that through LinkedIn after I've done one of these webinars. Like, do you have, do you have yep. some things to share? you start with a subcontractor. So that's where I am. I'm like, I don't want any architectural firm to go into the laser uh, rabbit hole for on their first project. Like find oh, a laser yeah. scan professional, try out a few projects, figure out your workflow. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Oh man. You know, 
honestly, I'm, I'm trying to get to the point that my initial thought is if you don't know, come talk to me, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's why we're starting this platform and building out our education center. And we're trying to do webinars and share detailed information is because, you know, if you're brand new into this technology and you have no idea where to start, there's so much information that you should know. You, you should, you know, you need some advice on what type of technology should be used for your project. What type of file formats, what type of accuracies do you need? Do you need survey control? You know, do you need an inch accuracy or an eighth of an inch? Or is this a deformation project and you need a 16th? Is this forensics? Like there's so many things that come into play that really there's, there's, there's got to be an understanding of those. So you know what to ask for and you know what firm to find, you know, um, man. So All right, well then I'm going to give you so a many use directions case. to go with I'm that. Gonna give you, ready? Here's a use case. Here is a 10 person firm started as residential has moved into commercial has a nice, uh, foot in each, uh, but is primarily, uh, architectural, but moving into, uh, active construction management, um, and PMing. Um, they're fully, they're totally committed to building information modeling for their workflow on the architectural side. They're starting to see the benefits on their construction management side. They're considering a, a laser scanner or a Matterport. Ready? Go. Not a Matterport. <laughs> <laughs> There's my quick answer for, for that. Um, well, and or both. I mean, Matterport is very visual, uh, great imagery, and it does get some floor plans and data out. But if if it's somebody who's doing design work, looking to use it for actual measurements and such, um, my default would be uh, that photogrammetry and Matterport and drones, and those are, are not going to be the best option. They can, There are things you can use them for. But if you're looking for, you know, the best step forward, I would say then you're looking at scanning. And even at that point, it gets into what are the size of projects you're going to actually be working on on the commercial side? Um, and how often are you going to need scanning? And, you know, at that point, especially if they've not pulled the trigger on it yet, I would say the best bet is finding a service provider who knows what they're doing. Um, and like you mentioned, you know, use the data on a couple projects, get into those details and the education of what type of scanner is the service provider using, what kind of accuracies are they promising or delivering to you, how did the data come out, because there's a couple benefits to using a service provider. One, you're not investing in the technology up front, which is, can be very costly, especially if you're going for the higher end you know, scanners, you, you don't want to just go get the cheapest thing available. You know, that's honestly never the best route. Um, you need to know the accuracies you need. So the benefits of a service provider is, you know, for a, for a smaller fee, rolling it into your project, you can have them come out and use the best scanner and you can evaluate that data, see how it worked for your project. And if they did well, great. If they didn't, you know, maybe find another service provider for your next project. And you can kind of compare 
how people are delivering the data, the quality, the accuracies. And if you decide at some point, the volume of projects you're doing is enough that you should go out and actually invest in your own scanner, then you research it and make that decision. But then that comes with, you know, a lot of people actually get to that step. They go buy a scanner. And I would say, uh, I would say from what I've seen, probably 40% of firms that run out and buy a scanner for their first time end up sitting it on a shelf collecting dust and they hire service providers because they weren't ready. They didn't understand the level of effort it was going to take to actually use it a lot. The, the training, the amount of effort in the field, the really detailed processes you can get into with registrations and file types and exports. And, you know, it really is a, it's a very active process that you have to stay engaged with. And, you know, and again, I think the other, the other thing it still comes back to is what the volume is going to look like and how big the buildings are. Um, it's not something you can just squeeze in as a, a thing real quick. Like you're going to have to have some dedicated people to it, it to is stay in and learn and train. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you you either have to understand the, the volume you're going to do and be willing to invest in that and grow it and build a team and compete, you know, keep or training and do all like that. One or, member of your team who's fully dedicated to understanding best practice. Yep. yep. And, so and it, it totally to depends. Yeah. And that's where, you know, I had a nice conversation yep. with Greg Hale when he was on this. He's like, I started at a firm, like this was building information modeling, not scanning, but he's like, I had a firm that was willing to take, allow my uh, production billable hours to fall to 20% while the rest of the team was full, pulling their 90% um, just so that that firm had one dedicated person that was committed to learning, not just the skill, but the best practice associated with that skill. Um, yeah. But it, I would say yeah. in regards to attaining the skill, doing the one, one dedicated professional, once you've gone through like, so we got hired by an architectural firm. Uh, it was a lake property. So the topography can get kind of complicated. Um, and for the first project they hired, we were literally scanned to Asbel. Our job, our scope was scan and create a Revit model from that scan so that they could do their new design from the, that Revit model as built. Mm -hmm. And the first time they hired us to do so, uh, they had a member of their team go through their typical analog uh, uh, measuring of, of the space. And then, so my team, there were redundancies on that first one. And that was sort of just built into the, into the project. Um, second project, yeah, no, they, they had no redundancies. They'd worked from our, they'd worked from our scans. They've worked from our models. Um, they showed up on site to introduce us to the client and then we were on our way. And it was, I would say an hour or so of doing that full scan. Whereas the first time we did our project, they had two members of their architectural team on site longer than us. Like we left yep. before them. Um, yep. so it was just really, I mean, it was, it was getting into the field and seeing how it all worked. That was really the, the breakthrough. But again, I told them, I'm like, don't get a scanner yet. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. More than ready to yep. enable you to be your own scanner, but just not yet. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and, and a lot of people do jump in quick and then they regret it, um, you know, because of all those other things we talked about. And I think it, uh, it really comes down to a, a firm by firm decision too. you know, some people implement it internally and they build out a department and it works great for them. You know, some people make the decision of, we really just want to do our core thing and, you know, let a, let another firm do it. So I, I don't think there's a defined answer of should you 100% bring it internal or not. Um, I think you just have to have a really clear understanding of the level of effort it takes one way or the other. Um, or if you're going to outsource, who should you be using? What do they use? You, you have to have a good understanding of the technology either way. And then you can kind of make your decision toward uh, what direction you want to go with. I would totally agree. And we absolutely had um, a member of their team just following along with us so they could see what the Mm -hmm. workflow was. They could see the complexities, how much of the structure we're able to document per scan. So they had an understanding Mm -hmm. of like um, our price to them. Um, Yeah. They were going to have to, you know, then uh, merge into their total project fees. Like, okay, this all starts to make sense. It starts to feel good. And I feel better because, you know, we have more details and it's a lake project, which means I have to drive an hour and a half from my, yeah. <laughs> from my location well, if I make an error. <laughs> I mean, and to be honest, like the times that we've looked at some comparisons, um, I mean, we've seen small jobs and we've seen really big jobs that have, you know, they have to have a budget already for doing as built before they get into like a renovation, right? That's already, I mean, that's a normal part of the project. And people think that laser scanning is going to be way more expensive and so much more effort. And it's the opposite. Like we we had a 10-story building in Chicago that we didn't actually get to work on because we, <laughs> we were a little too late to meet the client. Um, but once we talked with this client about scanning, they were like, oh my gosh, like, I wish we knew about this a couple months ago. We had this 10 story building. We had a hundred thousand dollar budget for the design teams to be out there hand as building the whole thing inside and out. And I was like, wow, like it, it took them weeks and weeks with multiple people out there doing these measurements, coming back, creating drawings. It's inaccurate. It's still 2d. And the budget was twice the cost of what it would have cost to scan and and model it. So, you know, it's people just don't understand that part of it yet. But as soon as you start diving into it and figuring out the level of effort it takes, you know, it shortens your field time. Typically, you get way more data. The data is way more accurate. And even if you break even or sometimes even if it does cost more, all of those other benefits are reducing risk. They're giving more visual to project teams. Like, honestly, there's not very many projects that it's not justified to use it, but most people just don't have that level of understanding of it yet. Yeah. And I would say one of the reasons why I keep getting picked to do um, the scan to BIM university uh, webinars is because I have core competency soup to nuts on a very specific type of project. And yes. that is the residential, small scale commercial. We have one residential project that was 10,000 square feet. 
That's a big yep. house. That's a lot of oh, information yeah. to gather. And there's huge consequences to uh, inaccuracies in regards to like roof pitches and all the things that they're attempting to do for the renovation. Um, so I've had a number of people reach out to me like, so if I'm using a, the Leica BLK, which I would say was the first real entry level laser scan, very yeah. much more digestible in regards to overhead costs, um, that I would typically max out on uh I would probably go up to 25,000 square feet with that. However, that also is influenced by volumetric space. So if you have a big warehouse and you're concerned about whether or not a scan can actually reach the ceiling um, yeah. and what the level of accuracy is there, um, that's, and then, and then the, the post scan processing, which is where I think you and I really are connecting over what an architectural firm would have to do if they created a laser scan um, uh, workflow internally is what do you need to do back at the office uh, with each of those scan locations and how they knit together and how do you create like a functional template to work off of in your, in your building information modeling workflow. Um, are you finding similar things with the, so I can refer to the RT, the RTC, which is a Leica product, and it's, I think, around a 60K price point. Um, would you say that, like, it, it gets into that 25,000 square feet plus space if you if you are doing a lot of that commercial work? As far as how large of a project you can scan? Yeah. I mean, because I can go, I can, I have to do a lot with the BLK. Even though they have, like, I think a 60 meter reach, I don't trust it past, like, 20 yeah. Um, yeah. And I will just, I'll do those extra scans. Sometimes I do them on a lighter uh, scan density. Um, but with the RTC, I know you're a fan of that scanner. And I know that Pharaoh yeah. has some good, uh, uh, good scanners that are in that like 30K yep. mark. So if you had to get into those big commercial warehouse spaces and, you know, you were oh, upwards sure. of like, you know, I mean, I had one guy reach out to me that he was doing 900, he did 900 scans with a, like a BLK. Ooh. And I'm like, I think I would lose my mind. Yeah. <laughs> that work sure. <laughs> but well, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, um, so internally the scanners we're using are the Faro S series scanners. So the Faro S 70, Faro S 350. And then we also do have the, like a RTC 360, and those to me are very comparable scanners. I mean, they're very versatile. Um, you know, they're the ranges, the accuracies, the cleanness of data, like we've used them on such a variety of projects. Um, and we've done, I mean, up to several hundred thousand square feet. Um, you know, so I, I think it really comes down to workflows and, and again, what you need to capture a lot of times your project is limited to um, the, you know, the amount of setups you're going to do. Sometimes you can't improve that too much. Even if you took a, like a P50 with a, you know, thousand meter range or whatever it is, you're, if you set up in an aisle in a warehouse and you, you know, you still have to set up 10 feet over to see the next aisle. Like there's only, a, there's only so much you can do to limit the amount of setups and, and the scanning you're doing. Um, 
And, and a lot of times you have to do a lot of smaller setups so that you can see all the angles of, you know, steel and supports and piping and everything you want. So, um, you know, so if you're asking for kind of my thought on which scanner for, you know, doing 25,000 square foot warehouse type or industrial or commercial buildings, I would definitely say the Leica RTC and the Faro S70 uh, would be the two scanners I, I would recommend to people based on my hands-on use. I know there's, uh, you know, I know Trimble and a couple others have scanners in that range as well, but those are the two that we've really used, know, and, and like. Um, and then it just comes down to workflow with the two. So, um, but both work great. Uh, I'm going to circle back to uh, the podcast I listened with uh, Captain Kirk McKenzie and uh, the role that laser scanning is playing for first responders. But there's also that layer that you started to speak about with using the building information model for first responders to be able to navigate successfully through a burning structure. And it's interesting because I was on uh, the UK Construction Week panel and one of, the, one of the huge pushes that they're having over in the UK because the, uh, the Glenora um, apartment fires was the post-construction, fire safety, uh, all of those safety concerns that could be empowered as we move into having an accurate building information model from either a laser scan and getting that into the workflow, but that is all post-construction like uh, gold, I would say. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there's so many directions to look at using the technology after the fact. Um, and it does come, it, it has to start with, that final model actually being accurate though, <laughs> you know, exactly. if you want, if you want to be able to use it and, you know, virtual reality, augmented reality, things like that, I, I think are still in their infancy, but um, you know, that's part of the ideas like with that episode with Kirk talking about the first responders is in the future, every building is probably going to have a detailed accurate 3d model of it and first responders will have you know data sets you know they could have um you know back in their main office they can send the model for the building they're on their way to into their headset and get to the get to the scene and virtually be able to see the layout and i mean you you start thinking about the ways that can benefit different scenarios and shootings and lockdowns and fires and um you know, there's definitely a, a, a lot of exciting things um, when it comes to how can we take this technology and actually help communities. And, you know, using it for construction and some cost improvement is awesome. Um, but when you look at the safety aspects and uh, there's just a lot of benefits to it. That is why I got into this industry. I'm like, if I can influence a better process for construction, I'm influencing the, the improvement of communities. You don't have a community yeah. without construction and you don't have construction without design. And what are those root yep. challenges and pain points that are, that we're all facing and laser scanning just solves the, the accurate existing conditions issue. Like yeah. it, it just is well, start with good. And yeah, I mean, and that's one of the reasons that we, you know, that that's one of the reasons that at Nexus, like, when I started, we didn't, we didn't start as a designer or as an architect. Like we started as a laser scanning company who got in and helped 
implement scanning into all industries. I, you wouldn't believe <laughs> the amount of projects and the variety of projects we've got to help on because solving that initial step of documenting existing conditions and, and accurately bringing a physical object or a physical site into a digital one is valuable to everybody. We have scanned fishing boats in Alaska. We've scanned underground gold mines in California. We've scanned high rises in New York. We've scanned nuclear facilities. We've scanned car accident scenes. We've, I mean, you name it. Like it, we didn't even know it could be used for all those, but because we are pushing the technology, the education, and we're really trying to dive into each industry and find out their issues, um, then it starts opening up a whole new world. Uh, you know, we're, we're actively working on forensic projects, architectural projects, oil and gas projects, and, and the technology is useful to all of them. So it's really cool to continue seeing uh, the ways that, different industries can take and utilize the technologies once they, you know, get, get a good understanding of what's available. Well, I, I totally agree. And I'm glad that we met two years ago and I'm so glad that you had uh, the time to meet up with me today. I know I had it. My deadline was, is Monday for our Monday morning podcast. I'm like, wow, February is over. <laughs> we got to get this done. So um, I, we've spoken about uh, you being on this platform before, but I'm glad we actually did it. Um, I would love to have you on again because you're, one of the vibes is entrepreneurship. And you have a very interesting backstory and how you got to where you are. And I, that's another, that's a whole nother show. Um, but I, I wanted to give a little shout out. So one of the reasons I got involved with this podcast is because I had reached out to Alex to be uh, a contributor for the women in BIM newsletter. And Alex had said, no, I don't want to write, but if I'd be more than happy to have women in BIM be highlighted on our podcast, would you like to take a slot? And so the women in BIM uh, trigger, which was like last spring, um, as Northeast regional lead, uh, I need to let people know in the U.S. that this organization exists. Uh, they are doing a mentor program that you can sign up for. It's totally free. And I'm going to ask you right here right now if you would go on, take a look at the organization because they need mentors. Um, and I think you'd be a great one. And I'd really like for the scan to BIM workflow to be something that's accessible to some, some people looking for mentorship in the industry. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to get in and take a look. I know we can follow up with some links. You can help show me where to go for that. But, you know, we're, we're definitely all about trying to push education and training and mentoring and, and all of that realm. Um, and as we even grow our reality capture network website where we have our education center we have our past podcasts we have our past webinars um we're gonna you know eventually we we want to bring in other industries that are kind of pushing the same thing as well so i think um there's potential partnerships and and all kinds of scenarios so happy to talk about that uh you can do a virtual field trip with me so i've got a local uh high school it's technical high school and they've got a construction and design department and they reached out to do uh 
a virtual field trip. I'm like, this is so exciting. Nice. I kind of love that, you know, I'm now, I mean, you experienced that. We've, you've got everyone comfortable on Zoom calls now. So yeah. we can bring in such a wealth of knowledge to like, you know, what was previously kind of encapsulated. Yeah, totally agree. I think that sounds awesome. Well, I love that you were on. Thank you so much. And uh, if you want to find uh, Matthew, of course, you can find him on LinkedIn and the Reality Capture Network. And then Nexus 3D is a great resource if you want to start diving into um, some laser scan support. So thanks. Thanks for being awesome. On. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I'm sure it won't be the last time. So we'll see you again soon. All right. Well, thank you very much.